Welcome to another episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast, where we focus on building better businesses. I believe in order to be the best leader that you can be, you must be willing to be the first follower and have a servant mentality when you're in a leadership position. If you want to be the best leader that you possibly can be, be sure to stay tuned and listen to industry leaders and hear how they built winning cultures in their own businesses. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Tactical Leader. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Chris Dedian, and we're going to talk about how he helps you find your peak performance. Before we begin, I want to remind you, this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you're a content producer, a podcaster, or somebody that wants to create tactical content that delivers, be sure to head over to nightly.productions and find out how we can help you multipurpose that content and help you deliver it on a successful platform. Chris, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, my brother. Really looking forward to it. Just on the before the, the conversation started over here, we we're kind of going back and forth. And I know that we're going to have just an amazing conversation with high energy. Man, we're, it's going to be such a good one. And I do need to preface this conversation. I have to warn the audience. This is like the disclaimer for the show. You talk about a little bit about being a firefighter slash hose dragger slash sleeper. So I don't want to go too far into that before we get into the bio. Let's hear the good stuff first. Let me hit this first. Then we'll dive into how, uh, you know, you're a hose dragger. But to give the audience an idea of who you are, man, you're, you're a professional speaker, you're a peak performance expert, you help entrepreneurs, leaders, employees, all of those people that are struggling with stress, you help them produce better numbers, higher productivity, more energy, and you do it in a humoristic, charming, energetic, obviously passionate way. The way we were talking just before this is, is just, I mean, nothing but laughs this whole time. And what was amazing about all of this is you were diagnosed with dyslexia at eight, and you fought this along the way where learning becomes a little bit of a struggle. Everything you do has a little bit extra something to it that you have to learn and grow. And you've done all of that and created the successful coaching business. And you've had all these great things. And it really, it's not just you as a coach. You have several coaches under you. You have mentors. And you've been featured in several different things as keynote speakers. I'm not going to try to pronounce them because you're up in Canada and I probably can't pronounce the uh, Les Devois and Canal Vase, La Belle Gang. I'll let you hit all the, the places that you've been, been featured, man. But before we dive into the business side of things, Chris, tell us something that we may not know about you. First of all, brother, I love that. And we'll definitely will talk about the hose dragging situation, which like my background study is fireman. That's what he's relating to over here. So something that people don't know about me, this is going to be like a left field, but I love popcorn. I do not know why I wanted to talk to you about that. And you're laughing, but I'm like, bro, you said something just random that people don't know necessarily about me. I love popcorn. It's like the best thing ever. I'm like a fan of it. I only eat it once a week because I can't have that much carbs. But when I do, it's a, like an event for me being like a high performing person, everything's structured and scheduled. So I look forward to my once a week, good popcorn with an awesome movie. So obviously there's a test associated. I am a self-pronounced fat kid. I'm an expert in all things food. I was a cop. We know eating, right? Second to maybe firefighters, but we have to know, is it, is it kettle corn? Is it caramel popcorn? Is it skinny pop? What is this fanciness that you uh, love so much? I, I love it. I love it. So actually it's not very fancy, but it's kettle corn. I just take the old school corn. I put it with a bit of oil with the coconut oil as well. And I just add a little salt. So I still have that like health aspect uh, for, towards it. But yeah, any type of popcorn, I don't discriminate. I love them all, but that's definitely my go-to, the one that I make myself in my kitchen. 
Man, I love it. I love it. That's a great little tidbit, man. And I really want to dive into a lot of what we have to discuss today. I don't want to waste any time talking about popcorn and hose dragon, but let's start with really the beginning. You know, this is something you highlighted and we talked about right before the show where at eight years old, you get diagnosed with dyslexia. Tell us a little bit, like starting from that long ago, tell us a little bit about that journey, what you faced and the struggle you kind of saw going through childhood, teen years. I'm sure there was a confidence aspect that you had to overcome when you're putting yourself out. Now you're a keynote speaker. You're doing all sorts of things where I'm sure that is a constant battle. Tell us a little bit about that. 100%. Thank you for that question, Zach. And you got it spot on, brother. There definitely is so many layers to it of your confidence, of understanding it, especially when you get diagnosed at a very young age or just get diagnosed whenever. Me, it just happened that I was lucky enough to get diagnosed at a young age. But at eight years old, when your parents you know, get you tested and then find out that you're dyslexic and then they tell you, hey, Chris, we're going to take you out of the school that you are in right now in the middle of the school year. We're going to take you into a specialized school for students with learning disabilities. All I understand at eight years old is I am going to a special school. I didn't understand what dyslexia was. I did not like know about it. And in fact, for people who don't know, dyslexia is a learning disability that has to do with reading and writing. So for me, reading and writing is so much more difficult. It's so much more of an effort to do those standard tasks, let's call it. So as I got into the specialized school, then I started realizing, Zach, the first thing was I'm not alone. There's like hundreds of other students like me that have learning disabilities from dyslexia, dysgraphia, uh, dyscalculia, whatever the case is. So then they started being a bit more understanding and then getting the proper like systems and processes and teachers around me that are giving me the proper way to learn. Because then I'm realizing, oh, wait a minute, this is just a different form of learning. I have to figure out how I learn. That's the only difference. Now, as I go through that process, getting some successes in this specialized school, getting a bit more comfortable with it. Now it's aspect of the end of the high school. You have to find out what you want to do. Now, this is where it becomes interesting, brother. You know, you're going to like this. At that point, I looked at it like everybody. I'm like, hey, I want to be potentially a lawyer because I like wearing nice suits. I like having conversations. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Start researching about that job. And I realized like 95% of the job is reading and writing. I'm like, all right, no, I'm dyslexic. I don't want to do that because that's my weakness. So now let's look for a job that doesn't have to do a lot of reading and writing. And that's where the fireman came into play for me. I'm like, oh man, and you're smiling. You're loving this, right? I'm like teeing it off for you. <laughs> you need no writing, no reading skills, no That's not what I'm saying. Wait a minute, I got to represent my voice. Look, that's what I heard. That is what I heard, Chris. I'm just throwing it out <laughs> you're there. Just, you're just breaking it up. Let me continue developing that because you're loving this way too much. So my perception at that point, being like a 16, 17-year-old dude getting out of high school was, hey, let's go towards something that doesn't demand those difficult things for me. Now, going into it, loved it a bit like, you know, just, you know, that, that, that family aspect, the big trucks, it's like it's kind of a toy as well. The adrenaline helping serving others was something that was calling upon me at such a high level. Now, as I went into that and started working at Pratt & Whitney Canada, which is a company that does uh, uh, airplane motors, and I was becoming an industrial fireman there and so on, I realized that there was something within me that was unfulfilled and asking for more. And I realized that I was meant to be an entrepreneur, and I was repressing it for years without knowing because I was afraid of the reading and writing. So much so that, Zach, I remember when a teacher used to come into the classroom and say, kids, put yourself in teams that fit. Even before she finished the word three, I had my head up and I was looking, who reads the best in the class? Who writes the best? Let's put a team together. Let me delegate the work. 
And we'll do that together. It's entrepreneurship 101. I remember in college when I was failing, afterwards, I went to go see the teacher and I used to negotiate my grade up. I'm like, no, that's not what I meant. This is what I meant. Get my grade up. Negotiation 101. So the education system made me become an entrepreneur because I had no choice to survive with my learning disabilities in the education system that we were given. Now, as that happened, I'm like, all right, cool. Let's go into entrepreneurship went into becoming a real estate broker. This real estate is something that passions me a lot, the passive income, still helping people. Started going into that and I started thriving. Now, not in the beginning, let me just clarify. Anybody that's an entrepreneur in anything you're doing, it takes time. The first year and a half, I literally paid to be a broker. There's a lot of overhead. But then at a certain point, just by effort, consistent, just showing up, it started blowing up. So it started blowing up so much and I'm almost on my little rant over here, but it's kind of going to give you a framework. As it started blowing up, my speech therapist that used to follow me when I was in high school called me up to ask me a question about real estate. And after the conversation, she's like, Chris, how's everything going with you? And I just went on a rant. As you see, I could definitely go on some rants. And I'm like, it's going great. I'm like, I'm in the top of my industry, making so much money at a young age. I was successful in the eyes of what society thinks you're supposed to be successful. The money, the car, the career, so on and so forth. And she's like, wow, I would love for you to come and give this keynote speech about you being a dyslexic entrepreneur and succeeding. I'm like, cool, let's do it. That same evening, Zach, she sends me an email saying in the subject letter in big caps, Chris, I don't think you should do this speech because there's still a lot of people that have a negative perception of what dyslexia is and you might lose some clients and you're new in the industry. Now, I understood that she was coming from a place of love. She was coming from a place that she wanted to protect me. But I wrote a, an email and I said, you know what? I'm going to call you Monday because I do believe that I should do this speech and I'll tell you why. Monday rolls on, give her a call. And I'm like, hey, Bridget, I do believe I have to do this speech because if I'm not doing it, I'm not helping the kids that are on the school benches right now. I'm not helping the next generation and I'm not helping my future kids because it's something hereditary. I'm like, I would be fake if I don't do this. I'm not fake. I need to do this. Now, why am I telling you this? Because it just shows the whole perception of my understanding of what dyslexia was and me getting older. In the beginning, I did not know what it was. I was uncomfortable. Even when I became like a fireman, I wasn't comfortable telling my other colleagues and the fire chiefs and all that. I didn't want that, that people see that I'm dyslexic so they think less of me. Then I started succeeding in the entrepreneur world. Then I started going on stage and talking about it in front of everybody. And that speech in itself, she told me there was gonna be about 200 people. Now, Zach, I'd never done a speech at that point. I walk into the room. Look left and right. There isn't 200 people. It's more like a thousand people. Now, at this point, my heart is beating. Sweat is coming down my face. I'm like, bro, what is happening here? I'm sitting down. There's like professors and doctors are going before me. There's a lot of people. A lot of freaking people. Like, like, people don't realize a thousand people in an auditorium or a room. That's a lot of freaking people to talk so that's, to. Here's, here's the way. Let me, let me draw a nice picture. Have you guys ever been into a room that... The speaker is up front and there is the, the, like the camera view right next to the stage. And then there's another one in half of the, 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 the crowd because it's too far behind. That's how big the crowd was. So for me, first time ever, I'm like, yo. And I kind of got prepared for this, but I did not know that it was going to be that massive. Now, Zach, the reason why I'm telling you this, because that moment that I went on stage, even though I had fear, even though I had some doubts, the second I went on stage, I realized there was this divine moment that kind of happened to me that I realized that was my purpose. I'm here on this planet to serve and help others through communication, through speaking and coaching. And then from that moment on, everything was shifted towards how can I be a top-end speaker, top-end coach? And I left all the business that I had created into in, in uh, real estate, which a lot of people thought I was crazy. They still think I'm crazy in certain points, but now I'm doing something that's 
so much more fulfilling. I'm, I feel like I'm helping so much more people and I'm living my God-given purpose essentially. So that's the whole story of why that happened in itself, why I went into fireman and represent my boys to fireman as well as cops. I'm, I'm going to throw you a little something over there, but that's that whole story, Zach. Look, I'm just saying there's this thing in law enforcement that uh, we talk about being first responders and realistically, firefighters, EMTs, y'all are kind of like second. Yeah, but you guys are sitting around so and doing nothing, bro. We have to show up and do uh, something. I'm just gonna throw that out. <laughs> Yo, you tuned it up too easy for me, bro. <laughs> He's like, oh, you got me there. <laughs> oh, man. I, right. Anyways, um, no, man. But no, that, that, that's a crazy story, man. And it sounds like at some point, I mean, I, I think in my own journey, there's been a piece that goes from leading others, which is honestly pretty simple. You have a little bit of EQ, a little bit of emotional intelligence, and you can lead others. You have that little bit of influence. The thing that I found it to be literally the most difficult, especially transitioning out of the military, I'm getting a medical discharge because of injuries, literally not having an option and keeping the uniform, right? There becomes an identity that you know, you became this identity of being dyslexic and you couldn't learn anything, right? There's those limiting beliefs that come up. So I really feel like there's a level of self-mastery that has to be had as an entrepreneur, really as a person, a little bit of self-love, something in there that we always struggle with. How did you overcome that? What, what was that process like for you? Did it take, I, I'm in therapy. I know a lot of times having that external source is a huge thing, but was it something that just clicked with you? Was there a resource? How did you overcome that limiting belief about dyslexia? So I love that question. And the answer is not going to be sexy. It's exactly like success. People think success is like this one thing that people do. And it's like, oh my God, I'm successful. It's like this big swing of the bat and home run grand slam. Nah, bro. Success is doing the small things in a repetitive way every single day. So, so singles, there's those doubles, there's those bunts and whatever. I'm doing a baseball analogy here, but that's the reality. So when it comes to the dyslexia for me, it wasn't one big thing. It was doing small things every single day. And I'm succeeding at that small thing. And then I was compounding that victory over victory over victory. And then my confidence was going up to a point that now in almost in a blind, stupid way, I believe I could achieve anything I want. The only thing that I need is the time and effort to learn that task or to learn that the particular skill, that's where I'm at. So how that happened is through small victories every single day from one test, from one teacher saying this, from doing a bit harder on this one and then figuring it out, from failing X amount of times and then figuring that out, from going into the fireman being like, hey, why did I go into this? Then going into brokerage, which brokerage is 100% reading and writing, right? If you guys remember previously, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go in a field that doesn't have, demand a lot of reading and writing. All I do now is read and write. I read over a book a week right now. So it's a huge dichotomy from where I started to where I'm at right now, but that's a process. Yeah. I think that's a big thing that a lot of people forget. Like you go to the gym, you don't go to the gym. Once you end up Arnold Schwarzenegger, it is a daily process that you have to, you know, my morning routine is that daily process. If I don't start my day at the morning routine of gratefulness, the gym, you know, I, I started learning the piano to overcome this injury with my, uh, my hand and my arm. And it's one of those, like, if I don't do that stuff every day to challenge my mind and get my mind right, it's like that slips because it's it's right when you start seeing the success. It's when you see the dollars coming in, you see the contracts being won, and you're like, oh, I'm good now. And people forget you still have to maintain that daily process. Yes, I love it. I love it. You're so spot on, Zach, with what you said. Essentially, it comes down to the concept of, of Angela Duckworth when she wrote in her book, Grit how to break down goals. When people have top tier goals, mid tier goals, and low tier goals, it's so easy to be like, hey, my top tier goal is I want to be an NBA player. But can you really control that? 
No, really. There's so many variables. You could be the most talented person, but maybe you get injured. Maybe the NBA doesn't want you. Maybe you go to a draft class that's extremely like amazing or whatever the case is. And then you'd be like, okay, cool. That's my top tier goal. Mid tier goal. I want to play in college. Can you control that? No, you can't either. Same thing. Now, what you could do is a low tier goal is what can I control every single day? Let me say that I'm going to take a thousand dribbles and a thousand free throw shots every single day. Now, can you control that? The answer is yes. It's not going to be easy. But if you control that every single day, then you're going to succeed, which is exactly what you said. What you can control is your morning rituals, this, that, and the other. Great example. You got injured. Like, hey, where can I transition this energy towards something else? Let's do piano. You're challenging yourself. So I love that, brother. And it shows why you're successful because you have that ideology and you know how to structure your systems and rituals. Well, I mean, like you said, man, it's not one of those that happen overnight. I've seen dark places, everybody, especially in entrepreneurship, everybody sees those dark places, sees like... All right, it's time to go fill out the resume, you know, update the resume, go do this, that, and the other. And um, I, I love to hear this positivity coming out of people because we do have those successes, like the high highs and the low lows. But a lot of that really comes around maintaining that motivation, maintaining that drive. How do you set that up for yourself in the day where you wake up, your feet hit the floor and it's like, oh, shit, the devil's like, oh, shit, he's up. You know, is it one of those where you just nonstop have that drive and motivation? I love that. Oh, shit. The devil's like, oh, shit. He's up. Watch out. He's coming. So a bit like you said, for me, I'm very habit and ritual based. Now, the reason why that is, is because it's your physiology. The more I could get my physiology, which is my body, fancy way of saying my body, my physical being in a movement shape, in a way of taking care of it, the more the momentum grows throughout the day. So the way that I go about it, if you permit, I'll kind of tell you what my morning ritual is. Every single morning, I wake up at 4 a.m., okay? So Monday to Friday, 4 a.m. I wake up, 10 minutes later, I'm meditating for about 10 to 15 minutes. After my meditation, do a couple of easy stretches. During that stretching period, I'm looking at where are my aches, where is this, where is that, where can I be more aware of throughout my workout today, so on and so forth. After that, I go and I look at my vision board. I do my affirmations. I do my yearly affirmation. I do my I am's. And once that's done, I sit down and I do my gratitude. I write three things that I'm blessed about. Once that's done, then I start writing, looking at all of my agenda. I set my intention for the day, my top three goals for the day. If I accomplish those three goals, my day's done. And then I look at every single meaning that I have and I set an intention. Now, listen to this properly, people. Successful people don't only set their intention once a year and call it New Year's resolution. They set it for every single activity. I'm talking about from meetings to going on vacation to what's the goal of this workout to what's the goal of having this meal with my family. Once you set your intention in the start of your day, your reticular activating system, which is a part of your brain, which is a filter of your brain, and I'll explain in a second here, is able to direct you towards right things. Because like you know, once the day starts, Zach, things get crazy. And I'll even say you're potentially a fireman. Why am I saying that? Because once your day starts, all you're doing is you're putting out fires. From emails to this, to that, to whatever the case is. Now, if you don't take a time before the day starts and actually say, what's the goal? Your day is going to take you over. And what you're doing, you're only helping other people take out their to-do list. So if I set my intention, I know what's happening. So even before my day started today, I looked at, hey, I have a great podcast coming up today with Zach. I'm like, how do I want to show up? How do I want to bring value? So I set that even before. Because right before we got onto a call, I was on several other calls. I was just rolling, rolling, rolling. But my intention had been set. So that's my morning routine. After that, I have approximately 45 minutes. That's my mastermind moment. I do not do anything that has to do with clients, returning emails, anything paperwork. It's all creative. What am I creating? What is my business strategy? 
What's my YouTube video? What's the content? So on and so forth. Because my mind is so much more higher vibration that's so much more frequently available to be creative, more productive. And then from there, I'm at the gym. I do CrossFit six days a week. So I'm doing that from six to seven, come back, uh, do a little yoga stretching session, read my book for 10 minutes, hit the shower, first client, 8.30. So that's my morning routine. I love that for so many reasons. First and foremost, I'll say the CrossFit side. I'm a, I've got my level one uh, certification from years ago. Um, so I, I love CrossFit, man. Don't judge me. I moved on to Orange Theory because the military makes me run and not lift as much anymore. Um, and then this injury, man. But the CrossFit thing, it, what's funny about that, and I want to draw this back into the mindset, people go to the gym without that intentionality. What I love about CrossFit, Orange Theory, whatever these group things are. You have F45 now that's kind of a lightweight in between the two. Um, it's one of those that you go with the intention to get a good workout and then it's structured for you where it becomes almost mindless. You just perform as best as you can on whatever that is for the day. But we're talking about intentionality. I think that is the biggest thing where people kind of get into a rut or a routine. For me, every morning, right after the gym, when I get home, I'm about to get in the shower on the mirror, I have a, a mirror marker and I write those three things I'm most grateful for every day. But for a long time, it became okay, I have a roof over my head, I'm breathing, you know, silly stuff. I've got food. Yes. Am I grateful for those? Absolutely. But is there intentionality of actually thinking and feeling that gratefulness for those things? No, because that's just your routine day, right? So when you talk about that intentionality, I want to kind of hit on this a little bit harder because even what you're talking about, you had said intentionality for this podcast. I literally raced home from physical therapy with, for my arm to get on this show. And if I wasn't intentional about it, I'm going to like, put that pain out of my mind. I'm going to put that out of my mind and didn't have the intentionality to have a great conversation with you. That shifts that meeting that shifts this podcast energy's off. Everything's off like that. Where do you see that the intentionality of for every piece, where do you see that come in with like success growth, really moving your day forward? Is that, where does that really feed off of that? It turns into blank. Like, does it turn into just amazing success? Does it turn into each meeting, no matter how bad your day is, it's still a great meeting because you have this intention set? So yes, there's a lot of things to unpack there, but let me just start off by saying everything is energy. So if you're not able to structure that intention and carp, like put it in, you know, sections, just like you did, Hey, I was in pain, but now I'm not thinking about that. Then the energy that you're going to transmit is not the same thing. And People, and we're not talking about like cool la la, like everything is energy. Go study quantum physics, like it's energy. We're made of atoms. Right. It's not that woo stuff no, necessarily. There's actually science behind a lot of 100% science. Yeah. And like I still believe in some of that woo stuff. Oh, but absolutely. Check, hey, is there science backing it? Right. Most of it there is. Right. I'm telling you, like the law of attraction, just go study what quantum physics is. Go study the double slit theory. That's all I'll say. Just go ahead and, and, and check that out. And then you'll realize how much that, oh, wait, wait a minute, there's an actual thing. So whatever energy you, you perceive out there in the universe, you will receive it with a counterpart. So if you're thinking negative, you're going to receive that negativity. You're asking from it. If you're thinking positive and you have that thought, you're just going to be hanging out with people that have that same intentionality. Now, the way that really, for me, kind of did a breakthrough I think you mentioned in the beginning, I have personally, other than me being a coach and having legit and hundreds and no, not this one, thousands and thousands of hours of coaching, I have eight coaches and mentors in different sections in my life. My main coach, which I call him the head coach, Trevor, the first time he told me about intention, it was when I was going on a vacation and I was just working so hard. And he's like, Chris, you have to book a vacation. He's like, you just need it at this point. 
So book a vacation afterwards that I told him I booked it. He's like, all right, cool. What's your intention for the vacation? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm going on vacation. He's like, yeah, but he's like, do you want to go there to relax? Are you going to do a bit of work? Do you want to go there, just have fun and party and just get like sloshed? Do you want to, what, what's the intention? And then once he told me that, I'm like, oh, wow, this is interesting. If you want to get the max out of every opportunity. So if I want to get the max out of this opportunity of this vacation, I have to set that intention for that too. So once I realize that, that this intention setting is for every single thing, then I'm able to do it at such a high level. Let me give you another example. It's one great one that you gave, Zach. If I'm working right now, and then afterwards, I'm speaking to my colleagues, speaking to some employees, speaking to some clients, so on and so forth. And then I go in my car and then go see my family, my, my mother and my father. And then I instantly run into the house and we're going to have supper. I'm walking in with the same energy of being a CEO, this, that, and the other. That's not an energy that my parents want. That's not an energy that I want. I'm not playing the role of the CEO. I'm playing the role of how can I be the best son? How can I be the best brother? How can I be the best uncle? So for me to do that, I take a step back. Just one minute before even going in, take a breath. And I'm like, what is the intention that I want to set? I'm like, I want to be the best son. I want to be the best uncle. I want to be the best father. So then I completely disassociate one energy, start building another one. And that helps you break it apart. When people go on the bed and they start thinking about many things because they're not breaking apart their energy and they're not structuring it with certain places, right? So that's the way I kind of go about it. I, I love that because it really does. Energy is such a... A crazy thing and having that momentum it changes it shifts and even if you're having a bad day you can't have a truly bad day in our world you know what I mean you you got to be able to you got to be able to shift it you got to be able to realize pull yourself out because you can't have the objectivity to realize hey I'm in a bad place right now you know you don't necessarily want to wallow in it you don't want to, you know, compartmentalize it you don't want to throw it away but you have to recognize and move through and then shift that energy and I really want to know, man, you're doing all these amazing things. You're helping so many people. You're growing your business. You're putting yourself out there. Why are you doing all this? What's the legacy you're really wanting to leave in the world with all these works? All right, let's get a bit crazy right now. I love that question. I'm going to kind of open up here. The reason why I'm doing it is because I have this one belief, and this is it. I truly believe that there isn't one single person that was put on this beautiful blue planet without getting endowed of a gift. It is your birthright and your duty to bring that gift in the forefront. If every single individual does that, as a society, we're going to go forward with more joy, life, happiness, respect, and empathy. That is the only reason why I'm doing it. I am respecting our creator. Call it whatever you want. Some people call it God. Some people call it the universe. Some people call it the earth. Whatever it is, your beliefs. They told me to do this in a sense. So I'm doing it. If I wanted to follow what I wanted to follow in a sense of like, hey, let's go easy life, this, that, and the other, I would stay in brokerage. I would be doing real estate at a higher level than what I'm doing right now. The only reason I'm doing it is because this is my God-given purpose in life. So I'm respecting it because it has nothing to do about Christopher Dedan. It has nothing to do about Zach. That's given names. We're just here as, ve as vehicles. That's why I'm going so hard because I know that this message is going to resonate with somebody God willing, they'll take that and they'll send it to somebody else and there'll be trickling effect and we're just sending positivity. I'm not the one that invented it. I got it from other people and then we're training it down. And that's the reason why I do it. I just want to bring massive value to people and get them to live in their greatness. That's why. Man, that's a hell of a legacy. And I normally end with that question. That's my favorite question. But I just, just pulled a tidbit where you're talking about all this mindset. I want to kind of highlight a little bit of uh, certification that you have. You're an NLP practitioner attached to actually studying the mind, how all of this works and unpacking it. Um, I have several friends in that world. I'm not myself, but it's one of those that 
it's not just something that, and we talked about it, you've, you've studied, you've learned, you've done all these things. This legacy you're creating isn't just like something willy nilly out of the air that you're pulling. You've actually studied and gone through and gotten certified and like how you can interpret the mind and shift it and do all those things. That's like a huge thing I want to highlight. I mean, congrats to that, because that's not an easy thing to go and do yourself, but also bring into the world. 100% brother. Thank you very much for highlighting that. I really appreciate it. And yeah, I'm actually a geek about understanding how the biochemistry of the brain works and utilizing it to your advantage, because you have to understand your body. You have to understand this is the vehicle that we have. And there is times to do certain things. You want to be creative. There's a time for that. You want to sleep. There's a time for that. You have to understand why you chronotype. So if you want to be a high performing individual, you have to be able to understand those. And that's what I do every single day with all of my clients, from the CEOs to the entrepreneurs, to the entrepreneurs, they come to me and I try to look at what can we do to optimize their performance at the highest level possible. We're just trying to give them a recipe. And then once they have that recipe, because the reality matter is they're not always going to hold that peak. You want to peak at the right times, but you want to know what is the recipe to be able to peak. So if you know, hey, there's a big week coming up, a big month coming up. If I follow this recipe from going to bed here, doing this, eating this, fasting here, doing this workout, I know that I'll be at my peak. And then once your peak gets higher and higher, then your standard goes up. And then you're just somebody that just kicks ass, takes names and chews bubblegum every single day. And the devil says, oh shit, he's up in the morning. I love it, man. <laughs> I love it. Um, it's such, such an amazing mission you're on, man. I, I want to give the audience the opportunity. What's the best way for them to find your content, find out more about you, connect with you, reach out to you. And of course, you're going to be back for Tactical Friday. We're going to unpack this even more in that granular level of how to actually accomplish this. But before we go into that world, what's the best way for them to find you? Matt, first of all, thank you very much for that. And like I said in the beginning of the, of the talk here, I love the fact that you have that Friday thing. I'm really looking forward to going into the more practical side of things. So guys, if you're interested, do not miss that episode that's coming up. I guarantee there's going to be so much value. So the best way to reach me on every single social platform, I'm at Christopher Didian. My family name, you spell it D-E-D-E-Y-A-N. Uh, if you want to get more in-depth into certain concepts, go check out my YouTube channel. Once again, at Christopher Didian. I do more than weekly. I would say weekly videos. But at this point with the team, we're at three videos a week. We have my Instagram channel that we give massive information on performance, on entrepreneurship, on leadership, and so on. So go follow me on all of those things. If you guys are interested, you have a company, you want to bring it to the next level for keynote speeches or for coaching, executive coaching, whatever the case is, go check out my website at dedianenterprises.com. Dedianenterprises.com. Enterprises with an S, and it'll lead you directly to all the information that you need to book us and support you with your goals and ambitions. Chris, I love it, brother. I appreciate all the value. I can't wait for Tactical Friday. It's going to be awesome, man. Thanks for your time today. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast. And I hope you got a ton of value out of what we talked about today. I also want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Night Protection Services. If you're a leader in a small to mid-sized business that does 5 to $10 million a year in revenue and want to improve retention costs, which could actually add up to being twice your employee's salary, all through creating a safer work environment and saving up to 25% in insurance costs, be sure to visit nightprotectionllc.com.